It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening. This is MixLR, and you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Our guest this evening will be Mr. Rich Newman. He's a paranormal investigator and author of Haunted Bridges, Over 300 of America's Creepiest Crossings. That could be so cool. I know. Good evening, Karen. And also, towards the end of the show, we also have a fun correspondence report from Winter Bale Fire. Yes, we do. um, Yeah. Did you listen to it? It's pretty cool. Yeah, about the the Christopher case, who that's yeah Pacific Northwest case from out here. Yep, that's crazy. Gonna be cool. Stick around. I've got a lightning round. Mm -hmm. Everything we got something for everybody here. Yes, we do. Show it's the big show. You're in the big show. So what's new, Chucky G? Uh, well, I'm teaching a class in November, um, yeah. uh, teaching a class about, um, your connected to your inner voice, how to kind of love yourself a little more and connect your inner voice and get into, we're gonna do some meditation, do a guided meditation and, you know, just get people to connect, you know, just to get along and connect. That's what I'm doing. Right. Well, and you know, not to be a one upper or anything, um, <laughs> but I have some, I have some stuff coming up, so well, let's yeah, talk about do. it. So uh, the Lewis County Historical Museum here in Chehalis, Washington, is going to be, um, if you guys could hear the things that go on behind the scenes and see the messages we send each other and stuff, it is amazing we bring a show to you every week. I'm just going to, I'm just going there right now. We, we are, it's, we stumble through, but boy, do we. I just saw the message. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, um. Here we go. Uh, it's, so we're doing a fundraiser for the museum in the month of October. That would be what next month is. Mm-hmm. And um, we're having events throughout the month. So on October 8th, we're going to have a real-life vampires lecture featuring Joe Teeples, who is a great guy. And he, he actually did research on the vampire culture here in the Pacific Northwest as he was writing a novel. And he's got some interesting stories to tell. Um, Hmm. so I'm teaching two classes. I'm teaching a crystal healing workshop on October 15th Mm -hmm. and, um, oh my gosh, I have to go to the other page and I'm teaching a dream interpretation workshop on October 23rd. Those are both at the museum. Uh, William Becker is teaching a psychic development class. Let me see what the date of that is. Uh, it says $25, (laughs) October 16th. There it is. (laughs) Um, oh, White Light Paranormal Insight is teaching a kid's ghost camp on October Oh, that'd be 22nd. cool. Yeah, and that'll be a lot of fun. And then mm-hmm. also on October 22nd, and this is the one I'm super excited about, is Seth Michael and Aurora will be doing a gallery reading at the museum. Nice. So you can go to lewiscountymuseum.org um, for ticket information or look us up on Facebook. And... Mm-hmm. Um, We'd love to have you join us. Uh, we're going to have some fun events. Proceeds benefit the museum. Cool. Yeah, I can't. I can't top that. I only got one thing. Sorry. I'm such a one-upper, right? That's all right. It's okay. We all have to do our stuff, right? It's all good. I know. Well, and I really enjoy teaching the classes. Um, I kind of have to space them out a little bit just because I put so much into them mm-hmm. that um, I need to have a little space and to make sure that I don't get that I do justice to every class. Yeah. 
So. Well, this is my first. This is actually my first two-hour class. Um, you know, with like a large group. Besides doing the meditation stuff, that's a little different. But this is you know when you're talking and stuff. So this is going to be uh, uh, interesting. I'm a little nervous, but I think I'll do all right. And you'll be just fine. Yeah. It's, and it's it's great because uh, what I like about the classroom format as opposed to lectures is that mm. it's much more interactive. It's a little more intimate and you get the opportunity to really work with people and make sure that they understand the material and they can question you on it. And, you know, there's always a and a after a lecture or something, yep. but you're kind of limited time and people are afraid to ask stuff in big groups sometimes and all of that. Mm. So I kind of prefer the intimacy of, of the class to, mm-hmm. yeah, to be- give a talk, but I'll do either because, you know, yeah, it'll be nice. I'm doing like what I do at the end. I'm doing the meditation, uh, the guided meditation, and I'm going to have them after it's done, write out or draw out what they experienced, and then if they want to share, they can share. Just so I can kind of see how how it goes with different people. I think it'd be kind of fun. I think I'm sure some people will share, and then you know I'll just talk about it a little bit just before the class ends. It'll be kind of neat. <laughs> Did you see me sneeze? I I, no. ma- I think I managed to mute it. <laughs> no, I didn't hear it. I saw a movement of your head. Because I'm looking down, I'm seeing like some little lady running on this, you know, because everybody's typing in stuff. I'm like, what's going on today? <laughs> I was panicking. I was trying to get to the mute oh button. Oh my god! You're like, it's you. <laughs> yeah. No, you well, did good. I didn't hear a word. I didn't. I mean, know, I didn't hear a noise. Sometimes those sneezes they sneak up on you, right? Oh yeah, mine are loud too, man. Mine will scare the poop out of you. Mine mm-hmm. are really, really loud. So mine. Apparently, my brother-in-law tells me that I am the only person he knows who actually says "achu" when they sneeze, but it's true. Do you really? Do oh my guys go? Ah, it's really no. <laughs> it, it's Scarce. no. I I I mean sometimes maybe there's a big one, but usually it's more like a chew. That's <laughs> so cute. It's a little You've probably heard me sneeze. You've been it's in my like, presence. It's just yes. been a while. <laughs> yes, I've been in your presence. I have been in the presence of the Miss Fraser. The Miss in the presence of greatness. Oh, maybe sometime again I'll come out and visit for. But I'm not doing the Portland thing because I'm not doing G Force, man. I'm coming into Seattle. Coming into Seattle? Oh no, that is a horrible airport. Well, at least I'll land normal, right? I mean, I don't. Yeah, want... you know what? You survive landing in Portland. People live through landing in Portland all the time. You don't want to fly into SeaTac. Just let me tell you that uh, we are halfway between SeaTac and the Portland airport, and yeah. we will fly in and out of Portland anytime just because there's so much less traffic it's so much more relaxed it's just SeaTac is a madhouse it's like O'Hare I didn't mind the the flight it was just the landing part that was even the taking off wasn't so bad from Portland it was just that it was just that landing it was you know you'll be fine all right there you go Rachel, my daughter Rachel is reading about she's you know there's a really good place to live we're talking about places to live and everything Seattle Yes, it's true. It's one of the, uh, it's, so is Portland. Good so, um, do you know that what showed up in my Facebook feed, like they give you the memories and stuff the other yeah. day? What? We're like at one year on MixLR, I guess. We are, we are already? Today. Yeah, today. So, happy anniversary. Happy MixLR anniversary. MixLiversary. Seriously, it's been a year already? <laughs> it's been Man. a year since we switched over to MixLR. Yes. Are we happy with our choice? Oh, yes, I'm very happy. Yeah, it's a good tool. Time flies by. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Well, happy anniversary, ladies. There you go. Woohoo. I mean, you know, I, I feel like I should be wearing my tiara. 
If I'd have known, I would have dressed up more. But hey, I got sleeves, so that's a start, Listen, right? You're wearing sleeves. That's right. Everyone, Chuck is wearing sleeves. Yes, I've been wearing sleeves a lot more often lately. I'm wearing do- sleeves too. It's getting a little nip in the air here. Yeah, it's a little cool over here. It's like it's in the I don't know if it's 60s or 50s because it was raining all day here. It's pretty cold. Oh, it's sunny here. I worked out in the backyard, but it only oh. got up to like about 67 degrees, and so I. I mean, when I was sitting in the shade, because I just take my computer and go sit out at the picnic table, and the mm-hmm. dogs run around on the grass. And as the sun started to dip down behind the trees, it got a little chilly. So, you had a, a, a get together, a little party at your home? Yeah, a little party. Yeah, That's we cool. welcomed fall last Saturday with a group of friends. We had a bar. Yeah, you have a large group of friends. I saw the picture. I was like, man, I wish we I had, had like 37 people. If I yeah. had my husband, like, one person staying there, maybe. It's my friend. <laughs> well, and that wasn't, we invited a lot more than that. So, oh. yeah, we had about 37 people. Um, and it was great. We had ribs, and it was a, a rib and whiskey barbecue. Wow. Oh, look, Winter, Winter just said it's been in the 90s and 100s by her. Oh, Lord. Hundreds? Uh, uh, uh-uh. No, thank you. Mm-mm. I'll take the, I like fall. I just don't like what comes after fall. Hey, maybe, Cheryl, you should check with Winter and see if she wants to stick around and do the lightning round. Yeah. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That I'm, would be kind of I'll fun. put that in the chat room right now. Yeah, I'm sure that I, she probably thinks that sounds like a great idea. Oh, I have good lightning round questions tonight. Absolutely. You're so I guess I'm, I'm doing the metaphysics tonight, huh? Uh, so yes, I better, ma'am. I, I no news. Yep, yep. You can just... Just dive right in there. Just dive right in because unlike you, I don't have like a cool intro to the metaphysics and energy healing stuff. Oh, sorry. I can make you one. No, it's okay. So I actually, so I don't actually really prepare for these because I just kind of like to free ball. Woo! Like swinging (laughs) in the breeze. Uh, All um, right. In my kilt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I crack myself up. But I thought that we could talk about um, meditating, and this is perfect because you're teaching a class that involves meditation as well. And so um, whenever I talk to people about meditating, we've been talking about this on my author Karen Frazier Facebook page this week, by the way, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But whenever I talk to people about meditating, the most common response I hear, and it's you said it to me, I know our friend Patrick has said it to me. I think maybe even Cheryl said it to me. The most common response I hear, and is one I've said as well, is, oh, my God, I can't meditate. I just, my mind just goes crazy. I, I can't clear my mind. Um, and so, you know, I get that. I understand that. And I've always kind of joked about being somebody who isn't able to meditate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I try to tell people is that that mindset of I can't meditate doesn't make it any better because what you believe about yourself is what you become, right? Correct. So the first thing I tell people who tell me they can't meditate is that they need to step outside of that I can't meditate mindset and catch themselves thinking. So when they catch themselves thinking, oh, my God, I suck at meditating, they need to replace that with something like I I am good at meditating. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next thing I recommend is that if the sitting still with your eyes closed meditation doesn't work for you, that there are other things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of people on my, my page this week said, oh, well, I color. Coloring is perfect a perfect thing. Getting a coloring book and coloring, that's a great form of meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, journaling is. Doing movement meditation, whether it's dance or walking or something. Putting on a great piece of music and listening to it, that's a form of meditation. Speaking or uh, 
thinking affirmations is meditation. Visualization is meditation. Guided meditation is meditation. So what it actually is, is that you engage in something for 10 to 15 minutes that pulls your focus and keeps you focused and takes you out of your head. I mean, that's that's really all meditation is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, I know people kind of maybe balk at the traditional form of meditation. Although I recommend trying that too, because you can use mantras, you, you know, Om or Om Mani Padme Hum, yep. or um, even, you know, you can use mantras like a, an affirmation. Um, I attract, I attract good things into my life. Mm-hmm. And you can repeat that over and over. Uh, a form of meditation that I used to use when I was first starting was a, what I called the color visualization. Mm-hmm. And I would just, uh, see a screen, a blank screen in my head, and then I would see colors, and I would just watch one color after another just fill the screen. Um, cool. And then if you want to try the meditation, but you have those thoughts arise, it's okay. Everybody, even the best meditators in the world have those thoughts arise that come mm-hmm. up in the middle of meditation. Yeah. And so the trick is, is that you come up with some way that you can release those thoughts, whether it's to just notice them and watch them drift away, or you come up with some visual thing. Um, I've used a broom sweeping the thoughts away, where when the thoughts come, I actually see the thoughts as a thing and see a broom sweeping it away. Yeah. I've seen them on a whiteboard, and you take an eraser and erase them. Uh, you can even say erase, erase. The, the trick to it is finding out the way that you best perceive information yourself. So if you're a visual person, then you want a visual way to erase those thoughts, uh, whether it's seeing them being erased or seeing the broom sweeping. If you're an auditory person, then you may need an auditory clue. Like you may need to say erase, erase, or cancel, or Mm. release, or things like that. Mm. Um, You know, if you're a kinesthetic person, a person who's more of a, and and people are usually either visual, auditory, or kinesthetic, or combination thereof. Mm. So if you're a kinesthetic person, the person who has to manipulate things, Mm. you can actually... Do a little and look like anybody can see what I'm doing yeah, right and now. You're w- w- I'm wiping doing like your hands. Yeah. wiping your. You can do a kind of a hand flicking, wipe them away or flick them away, or you know even rub your hands across your face or, or whatever. So um, the trick is to find out how you perceive and process information, and then come up with a way to erase uh, that information, whether it's visually, auditory, and then just return to your peaceful place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, too, it's like, well, for me anyways, and this worked for me, and, and this happens with a lot of people, too, they, they automatically they have to go on for 20 minutes, and we got, you know, because, yeah, I mean... No, you go as long right. as it, it works for Exactly, you, you can do, like, I started off... if it's not working, with, get up and try again later. Yeah, I was I was doing, like, you know, maybe you can do, like, five minutes at a time, um, and I was doing transfixing, you know, where you use an object to stare at it, mm-hmm. a, a candle, a, your favorite to- uh, a, a toy, whatever, anything you have that you like. I like the candle because I, what I would do is I would stare at that candle and focus on that because, you know, it's either that or you're focusing on your breathing. You're focusing on something, like yes. you said, you're taking your focus yes. and putting it somewhere so that way eventually you don't even catch yourself and you're already in meditation. So transfixing right. on that, you know. And then I would squint, and slowly the light would kind of get a lower, a more askew. And then your and then eyes, I would, eyes are closed. Boom, yeah. and that was that. That was well. It. And if you're a visual person, transfixing is really good. If you're um, a kinesthetic person, then the breathing, noticing yep. the breathing, is better, mm-hmm. um, or some repetitive motion that you do. Yes. Whatever. Right. I mean, you can any kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. If you are um, an auditory person, mm-hmm. then listen to music. Or yep. listen to white noise. Uh, binaural beats. Do you know about binaural beats? They're no. 
fantastic. You can find all kinds of apps now with binaural beats for different types of meditation that mm-hmm. encourage uh, theta, alpha, beta, or theta brain waves. Yeah, right. Uh, it's B I N A U R A L, I think. Hmm. Um, and they usually disguise the binaural beats within white noise because some of them are kind of jarring. They're like, yeah, really. Yeah, that's not going to help me meditate. Yeah, some of them, but no, you know, that's what you think. And then you put them on. And for me, they because they switch the brain waves in your head, you just get lost in them. Jim and I use a white noise app to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got it because he was working nights a lot. And so he was having to sleep during the day. And, you know, so he would turn this white noise thing on really loud. Yeah. And, but it would have the binaural beats in it. Or you could listen to, um, you can find like YouTube videos with wind chimes. Yes. Or oh, yeah. with somebody playing a Tibetan singing bowl. or mm-hmm. So it's anything that kind of takes you out of your head. Find a way to do it that works for you. Mm-hmm. Because there is no right way to meditate and there is no wrong way to meditate. It's what yeah. works for you. Yeah, and I like I I like to listen to. I have one of those machines where it does the white noise or the rain or the thunder. But I also have like a. I like to listen to music. I like wind flute. Like I like uh, Native American wind flute music. I like meditation music. All that stuff. And some of them, if you look at it when you when uh, it's coming up on my little MP3, it'll say beta waves or something because they're in yeah, a and that's type the, of music. It's because it has the binaural beats underneath mm-hmm. it. Yep. And that's yep. what the thing Jim has, and it's a sleeping one. And I'll uh, tell you what, I, I actually am kind of addicted to that one now because we can't sleep without it. It's just, yeah. it's uh, with, and it's a, a deep sleep. But you can also find bar- binaural beats for like if you want to sleep with um, vivid dreams or lucid dreaming or the binaural beats are incredible. Yeah. Well, I think another misnomer about meditation is people think that you're not supposed to think at all. You're just supposed to be totally silent. And, and that's, that's not how. That's not how human beings work. Our minds are are supposed to be in motion. We're supposed to be going, but it's the it's when you're focusing, what thoughts then come? You know, you're trying to take your your daily earthly thoughts, put those to the side. Like I do it, like where I, I it's funny because I visualize them in like a file, like a file, like a file folder. You know, I take those off, then I start to focus, and then I go in, and then I just pay attention to whatever is in. You know, and eventually whatever's happening is happening and I'm just in the moment, you know, and when I come out, I try to, you know, I try to journal it or write it down. But people always think that, you know, you're not supposed to think about things or you're not supposed to have thoughts. And that's that's not true at all. No, because with me, I mean, a lot of times when I come out of my meditation, it's like, whoa, I was tripping balls because I'm seeing things and I'm visual. And it's just it's all coming to me. And um, uh, that's another good form of meditation. Actually, that's what I'm going to talk about on my my Facebook page tomorrow is journaling as meditation mm-hmm. and that if you want to use journaling as meditation what i recommend you do is you just sit down and you start writing and you don't even judge what you're writing you just start to write and if you get stuck you just write the same word over and over and over again until you move on mm-hmm. i think it's a good yeah. idea yeah i mean because i like to go back later after i've you know i've done it for like even a month I'll go back and just look at some of my stuff and I was like wow you know like sometimes it's just sometimes I'm in meditation and sometimes it's just whatever you know I'm, I'm I might be seeing colors or shadows or whatever or um and just f- feeling relaxed and you know connected to everything sometimes I will run into a spirit guide or, or a guardian and they'll 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 try to give me a message or say hey look into this uh I get words I get things i get homework which is funny sometimes from my spirit guides saying you know we, we want you to well, do this that do would that. be a pisser man yeah i do i get that stuff you know so but it's okay because then i come out of it and i look into it and then i go 
okay, I see there. And, you know, whatever I was given, there's actually a connection to what's going on in my life at the time. So yep. um, it does have Do you have give meaning. yourself Reiki during meditation? That's when I give myself yes. Reiki. During yeah, meditation. I do once once a week. I do the, you know, since you taught me, I once a week I do the, the Reiki, the healing, you know, self-healing. I do that as I'm meditating. And it's funny because at first I was like, I couldn't do both. I was like, how about if I'm doing Reiki? How Because you were so busy yeah. thinking about what your next hand position is. Exactly. So now it's like I know it. So I just I go boom, boom, boom. And next thing you know, I stop with the Reiki part, but I'm still, I stay in meditation a little bit longer. And I'm like, oh, I've just been in meditation the whole time as I was going along. Yep. So, uh, and I do find that the Reiki does um, uh, open me up further. Like, you know, the, the energy and the uh, connection is much deeper than it was before. So it yeah. has helped a lot. So yep. yep, Reiki kicks ass. Yes, it does. It kicks That's ass. That's right. Did I? I this... you're, you're Reiki level two, right? I I yes. attuned you to level two. Yes. I couldn't remember because some people I only do attune to level one. It just kind of depends on what's going on with them, and some I do to level one and two to start. So I couldn't remember. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. All right. So uh, with that, there you go. There is our metaphysics and energy healing moment for the day. Da, da, da. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we should so, really have some music or something, you know. Do, yeah, do, do. I know. I've got other stuff going on. I've been I've been busy, man. Been busy um, doing business. That's right. So we are going to go to break. When we come back, we will be talking with our guest, Rich Newman. Um paranormal investigator and author will be talking about some haunted bridges so mm -hmm. stick around you're listening to paranormal underground radio in the dark here on mixlr we'll be right back hey everyone this is winter balefire if you share in my love for the macabre and bazaar please check out my website winterbalefire.com there you'll find some of my dark poetry short stories and blogs on the paranormal and occult i'm also active on facebook twitter and instagram all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of hauntedshirtclub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th, 
at 10 p.m. You can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. So, you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. We are live. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. I'm Mix LR with your hosts, Chucky G and Karen Frazier. Now, folks, comes the best part of the show. when We have our guests. Our guest this evening is Mr. Richard Newman, paranormal investigator and author of Haunted Bridges, over 300 of America's Creepiest Crossings. And you know what? He's coming live from oh my God, where? this is like the most exciting thing. I we know, were n- yep. nothing personal. I mean, we were super excited that you were here anyway, but this adds to it. I mean, oh. th- he's coming from the Lizzie Borden house. How's it yeah. going, Rich? Great. How are you guys tonight? Well, we're doing good. Well, not as good as you because we are yeah. we are not anywhere where someone took an axe and gave her father forty, 40 wax. So <laughs> how's the how's the ambiance over there right now? Is it kind of is it creepy or what? pretty exciting actually they've done a really good job of keeping this house pretty period so it's it's uh you get that nice little feeling when you walk in the door that you're kind of stepping back in time oh that's kind of cool that's awesome so so i would assume that you are at the lizzie borden house because you are investigating is that what's going on i'm actually at the lizzie borden house because i'm shooting with fuji tv from japan they've been doing a uh television show 
that's about haunted places in America, and this is the fifth location I've gone to now. So we will be uh, talking about the, the house, the history, and then they bring in a nice little sucker from Japan who gets tricked into staying in a room, and we watch all night to see if anything spooky happens. So. <laughs> oh, my God. How does that usually go? <laughs> I want to see this show. I want to see this show right now. Oh my god, the poor guy he probably freaks out, doesn't he? They probably freak out every location. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny. They they uh, spring on them the next day that they just spent the night in a haunted room, and apparently this kind of information carries a lot of, a lot of weight in Japan. They oh, yeah. uh, they generally kind of freak out. Mm, yeah, they take their spirits seriously over there. So that's wow. Perfect. So what is your role exactly, other than sitting and watching and laughing at them when they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the I'm the token American. So when we go to the haunted place, I'm the guy, you know, I'm the paranormal expert that gets to tell the history of this particular location and what we should expect paranormal wise. And um, um, so I'm I'm on camera. I, I uh, and sometimes they they pull me into uh, to help pick the spots, oh, that's um, cool. which is kind of beneficial to me because I get to pick places like the family hotel and things like that. Yeah. Well, what a fun project that is. Are you enjoying that? I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> yeah, where else have you gone? Yeah, well, We've done five shows. We mm -hmm. went to the Geyser Hotel in Baker City, Oregon. We went uh -huh. to the Queen Mary. Nice. Uh, we went to the Stanley Hotel. And then we nice. did the Dolphin Orleans in New Orleans and now Lizzie Port. And so um, these poor people have no idea that where do they think they're staying? Just like at a bed and breakfast or something? I mean, why do they think they're on TV? They they usually pick an actor or someone that from Japanese TV, and they mm -hmm. tell them they're coming in for a completely unrelated reason. Like, one of the poor guys thought he was coming in uh, for a cooking show, and they took him to a couple of restaurants, and then they said, well, we're going to shoot tomorrow. Let's take you back to your room. And then they put him in the haunted room, we watch them all night, and then the next day they get up and say, oh, well, by the way, we're not going to a cooking show. You just stayed in one of the most haunted rooms in the country. And then they freak out, and that's their show. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it actually sounds like kind of it does, fun. It does kind of sound like kind of fun. So you're like, you just kind of like set them up. You just kind of set up the whole premise of what's going to go down, and then you step to the side after you give the info, and then they kind of go in, and then they're, they're, they're in it. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm basically the guy that just uh, gives the audience all the paranormal information. Wow. How'd you get picked for the show? I mean, how did they just, how did you get connected? Uh, my very first book, um, The Ghost Hunters Field Guide, sold pretty well in Japan. And oh, okay. they got a copy of it and decided, well, this guy just wrote a book about a thousand haunted places in America. So let's use him to pick all these places. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's awesome. And you're getting to go to some really cool haunted places as a result. So, have you? So, have the um, have the guys that are staying in the rooms? Have they had experiences? I mean, are things happening while they're in in the places they're staying? Yes. Uh, actually, the the best show was the first one when we were in the Geyser uh, City or the the uh, Geyser Hotel in Baker City, Oregon. Um, one of the funny things about Japanese TV is you know. They think it's hilarious to take these poor saps out and just get them completely drunk. <laughs> and so they come back to the room and they're stumbling around and they can't, they're trying to take their clothes off and, 
every, you know, we're also filming us in the room watching them. So we're laughing, you know, watching them on the TV. And it's all just done very humorously. But that particular night, there were some very strange things going on because he would go to sleep and then all of a sudden he'd just start twitching and jerking like he would be kicking at something and all of the cameras in the room would start cutting out. And that, oh. that happened like three or four times. It was very wow. odd. Interesting. That's crazy. Huh. Wow. So they found you because your, your, your book, and since we're talking about books, we, we brought you on not really for this particular reason, but to talk about your book about uh, no, this Christians. was just a delightful side I know, trip. It's awesome. So we're 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 here to talk to you about the your book Haunted Bridges, um, over three hundred America's creepiest crossings. So I mean, how'd you get? How did you get the thought process to do bridges? I mean, you know, everybody does houses and land. And all, but where'd you come up with bridges? Well, I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys, same as me, know a lot of ghost hunters. And so you're always a kind couple. of, you know, looking around for, you know, good places that you can ghost hunt that you can get access to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of beginning ghost hunters end up going to a lot of haunted bridges they hear about. So it's kind of always been in the back of my mind that it would be an interesting subject. And then the publisher, Llewellyn Publishing, actually said, would you be interested in doing a bridge book? And I was like, oh, yeah, I would. And so it just kind of fell in my lap. Oh, that's crazy. Nice. I mean- that's the best way to have these things happen, right? Absolutely. In fact, um, this this book just came out, you know, a, a week or so ago, and I'm actually wrapping up on another book that they suggested, which is about Civil War ghosts, um, mm-hmm. which I turn in next month. And that mm-hmm. was another subject that most ghost hunters are pretty familiar with that I thought would be kind of an interesting book. Yeah. Now, I bet that there is some crossover between Haunted Bridges and Civil War ghosts like Saks Bridge in uh, Gettysburg, huh? Sax Bridge is a perfect example. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I actually, you know, since I had written the bridge book and Sax is in there, I had, I do talk about Gettysburg, obviously, in there, and I briefly mentioned Sax Bridge, but I sort of steered clear of the details, just so I wouldn't be repeating myself in, you know, two books in a row. (laughs) Right. Good idea. People start calling you a one-trick pony. No, they wouldn't. So, 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 how did you get into the paranormal? I mean, I know you've been in it for about ten years. You got the Paranormal Inc., which is a, a, a group you founded. Um, so, but how did you get? Oh, I thought into you it? meant he had paranormal tattoos. <laughs> paranormal Inc. He's got paranormal ink all over him. No, I mean, but how, how did you? How did you? You know, get into the field? And what was your? What was your? Everybody has a story, so you know. What's he? Yeah, I mean, I, I had, a, I think, one of the most boring ghosts. Uh, possible in one of the houses I lived in. Um, it was a, talk about your one trick ponies. So basically, I had a, a bedroom that had a closet door that would open by itself. And okay. you, you could see the door handle actually turn. You'd hear the, the lock click, you know, as the little, little latch was slipping for it to open. And then the door would kind of open about 12 inches. And you'd sit there and you'd wait, you know, for this ghost to do something else. And it would do nothing else. It just really liked that door. And I guess it was just a mystery of, you know, what's, how's this happening? And mm-hmm. testing it and trying to keep the door from opening. And, you know, well, maybe if I do something different, the door won't open. And, um, and then you couple that with, and I have a feeling you guys probably grew up kind of watching a lot of the same stuff I did. But shows like, you know, Unexplained Mysteries and Sightings and things mm-hmm. like that just uh, really fired me up. And so I've always been just really interested in stuff. Nice. Did you ever figure out why the door opened? Did it ever stop opening, or did it just keep doing it forever? 
Just no, curious. just kept doing it every night. Yeah. And what <laughs> was really crazy. weird about it was you, you could test it. I would bring friends over and I would say, watch, the door's going to you know open and it wouldn't do it. And then the second that you would turn off the light to go to bed and turn your back to it. Eh. It's like when you, when your car <laughs> makes the noise until you drive it into the mechanic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then exactly. it's <laughs> so, exactly. So, so tell us a little bit about Paranormal Incorporated or Paranormal Inc., which is not the ink for tattoos, like Karen was saying. But um, what, what, how did you, how did you come founding that, and what's that all about? Um, well, back actually in the early two thousands, uh, my brother and uh, my best friend and I just were always interested in this stuff, and that was kind of the beginning of uh, everyone starting to do the whole blog thing. Mm-hmm. And we just, we were going to so many haunted places that we were just kind of wanting a way to archive our information anyway. And so it was just sort of thrown out there, what about these new blog things that everybody's doing? And we started doing it and just adding to it and adding to it. And the next thing you know, you know, we had a lot of followers and Llewellyn was wanting me to write my first book for them. And it just really grew from there. And uh, it's been a really great way for us to just archive everything we've been doing. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I know that you do. Um, besides writing, too, though, you are a filmmaker. I mean, you have the the Ghosts of War web series, correct? Yes, I actually went to, to NYU film school um, okay. and moved to Austin, Texas to work in films. I worked on the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake in 2003 oh. and a few Ooh. other movies in Austin. And um, the, fi- the film work just kind of dried up in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I decided to move closer to home, which is Missouri for me, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which also has no film work. So I decided to do something on my own, and I made a documentary about haunted Civil War sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching part of one of I think episode one. I was watching just a while ago before we got on the air, so I, I need to check the rest of them out. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So with your book. On bridges, you got you have it broken down into subcategories, uh, styles of death, uh, types of hauntings. Let's talk about s- some of those because, honestly, as a as a paranormal investigator, I've never investigated a haunted bridge. To be honest with you, I, okay, I, but you? I think we have to start first with what would make a bridge a place that's right haunted? for hauntings. Yeah, like a spirit attachment, or yeah, yeah, I agree. So. Do do we have do we know do you have any answers to that or what do you think? Uh, I think there's a couple of different theories. Uh, one is just the general theory of people who are dying there, whether they were lynched or hung or they died in an auto accident, or even more sad, they committed suicide off that bridge. Um, there's a lot of people who just simply pass away on bridges. Oh, yeah, there's so one in Seattle that's like a suicide bridge in Seattle, in Fremont, I think it is. Hundreds of people. That's have... absolutely right. Yeah, actually, one of the, the biggest suicide bridges in the country. Is really the one in Fremont is? Wow. Uh, is yeah, it, it must be really in your well book then, it. huh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, there's a whole chapter on suicide bridges. Huh. Wow. But another, another theory is also... Um, if you buy into the idea of that there's things in the environment that sort of make these natural batteries that can mm-hmm. sort of uh, suck your soul in and just sort of contain it like a battery. I mean, bridges are over running water. Um, if you had the right type of uh, rock formations and such, you, you kind of have those environmental conditions at present that, you know, some of them I think could be possibly getting being trapped against their will. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of sucked into the environment, and there they are. 
um, okay. if you buy into that theory. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we have sub. So you're saying we have subcategories of this. So I'm just kind of curious. What are some of the? I mean, besides suicide, of course. What other? Because you said you just said that people just naturally die on bridges. I mean, what other categories are there that you know that we're talking about? Well, I mean, in the realm of as far as the categories of different ways to die, we have suicide, and then we have um, people who died in auto accidents. Okay. We have people who were, um, for various reasons, um, taken out and hung uh, on bridges back in the days when people were being lynched. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the Civil War stuff, they would hang deserters and things from bridges. Okay. Um, so there's a whole chapter just on people who have been hung from bridges. Um, I even have a chapter in there uh, that's non-ghost related that's about a lot of stories about creatures that are seen on bridges. Different, like For some reason, like what always jumps out at me is Texas really loves their goat men. They mm. have mm-hmm. three or four bridges that are known for like a goat man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a whole chapter <laughs> of just stories like that too. Kira's making a really crazy face right now. Well, I'm trying to think man? about what about Texas would be conducive to goat men. Goat I, men? I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. So, all right. So let's talk about some of the, let's talk about some of the bridges. And some of the hauntings, let's like take some of them and kind of break them down. So, well, let's talk um, about the one I was I was just yes, mentioning up here Seattle in Seattle, one, yeah, which you said say, is yeah. one of the largest suicide. And I have uh, I have heard uh, a lot of stuff about that bridge, and I haven't um, ever been on it. Uh, but so, what kind of stuff is reported from that bridge? And and do you know how many people have jumped from that bridge? Uh, I don't have the number. I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head as, as far as how many. Um, I can say that, like the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the Brooklyn Bridge in New York, the Skyway Bridge in Florida are really the big three for suicides in this country. Um, the Seattle Bridge comes in at top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you tend to see sort of a lot of the same activity at a lot of the suicide bridges, which is people. Uh, a lot of times we'll see a specter just kind of walking along the bridge looking pretty depressed kind of a thing, and then they just sort of fade away. Um, a lot of people, if there's a pedestrian walk on there, um, they will actually see spirits that are reenacting, cr- climbing over the rail and jumping. Um, and people will run and try to stop them, and then they just, you know, they, they disappear. Uh, I, I want to say the Seattle Bridge is one of the ones... Is that, is that, is there's a park underneath that bridge, right? There is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of activity in that park. They uh, people have heard people crying, like maybe they spent their last few moments down there contemplating jumping from the bridge. So people have said they've heard uh, people crying down there. They've seen mists and things like that at night. They've seen apparitions that just look just terribly torn up, you know, depressed, uh, walking through. That sort of thing. It's all really sad. I think that's the saddest chapter of the book. Yeah, suicide bridges are sad. And it seems like there would be some way to restrict access so people couldn't jump off of them, but I guess not, huh? Well, some of them have. And I want to say, actually, if, if it's not the Seattle Bridge, it's one of the Portland bridges. But um, one of them just spent over uh, $13 million putting basically a massive fence that off the bridge that will catch you. If you try to jump off, you just fall into that thing. Um, like a like so a some, the net that the tightrope walkers use, huh? or the the uh, trapeze artists. Yeah, but just made out of fence, just out of chain link fence. Yeah. 
Well, that doesn't sound like so that they, would they be real tried. comfortable to land on. <laughs> no. Yeah. Probably more comfortable than the water a couple hundred feet below, though. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They try. And I mean, and a lot of the bridges, like the Skyway Bridge, has no pedestrian crossing on it whatsoever. And they constantly have a dedicated police officer that just basically goes back and forth across the bridge just looking for any car that looks like it's you know going to stop in traffic so someone can jump out to jump over the side of the bridge um but it just uh it's just it's when someone's locked and determined to do it it's just almost impossible to stop them Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when you're when you're writing about these are are you just you know, gathering up the information. Have you ever done any of your own investigating on any of the or any of the purported bridges uh, yourself? Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I I I haven't really gone to any of the suicide bridges just because um, I think I do think it's a really sad subject, and I and a lot of times there's still you know people alive who know a lot of these people who died. Right. I just really don't want to intrude on all that. Right. Um, but I have done a lot of the more. I guess the bridges that you would say classify as much in urban legend as they do in ghost stories. Uh-huh. Um, things like the Bunny Man Bridge in Virginia. And, the what bridge? Uh, one of my the what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the what? Bunny What's that? You never heard of the Bunny Man Bridge in no. Virginia? No. Well, tell oh, us about that, it. That's a story worth hearing. <laughs> okay. It's a uh, yeah. It's a it's a bridge in Virginia, and it's a, really it's a glorified train crossing. It's a little concrete arch. That, a, that cars can drive under as trains pass overhead. Um, there have been sightings over the years uh, of a... Some say it's a man, some say it's a ghost, some say it's a demon thing that's dressed like... looks like a giant bunny. And it will you come did say bunny man, okay. <laughs> yes, literally a bunny man. And there are actually two real documented... You can go and find the newspaper articles um, of people who ha- have all the bunny man come and attack their car and um so the real stuff is there really was a guy in a bunny outfit or something with an axe who would come after people uh and then you have the urban legend portion of it which is everything from this was a lunatic that escaped in like 1920s and subsisted off of uh rabbits that he found in the woods and then eventually died and now it's his ghost still appearing as this bunny thing uh, coming after anyone that comes to the bridge where he would take refuge. Wow. That's, that's, I, I don't know what to say. That's pretty crazy. All right. So wait, so we were, movie. yeah, yeah. Basically waiting to be made. There you go. There's oh, your good. next movie. We can create a whole new generation of people afraid of bunnies. The bunny man. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I know there's some movie out there called the, the bunny man. The next rash of things like that, in the but, South yeah. won't be clowns. It'll be <laughs> people bunny dressed men. up as bunny men, yeah, wonderful. So, all right. So you said you were you were t- you said you were doing, uh, you said you were doing some investigating though on some of the the bridges, correct? Yeah, there's a lot of them that uh, where I live in Memphis right now. We have a lot of uh, more of the urban legend type bridges in our area. One of my favorites mm-hmm. is actually a bridge in Mississippi that it's called Stucky's Bridge. Um, okay, which the story is that. Uh, Back in the late 1800s, there was a man named Stucky who would abduct people from the local inn, rob them, kill them, and then toss them off this bridge. Um, And he had a death toll of somewhere between 10 and 20 before they finally figured out what was happening, caught up to him, and then lynched him on the bridge. Um, 
And so now people see everything from bodies, uh, spectral bodies floating in the water to his corpse swinging on the bridge to the sounds of screams and cries, presumably of people that he was killing at the bridge. Um, and we've had some really great success getting EVPs and a lot of really good audio there. Mm-hmm. Would you get, like, give us an example of something that you caught uh, EVP-wise, EVP I mean, something that was really strong well, for you? Well, uh, interestingly, I mean, you can imagine the challenges anyway of doing audio recording. When oh, you're yeah, outside. outside yeah, uh, outside, yeah, it's a pain. Yeah, you've got the crickets, you've got the bugs going, you've got, you know, luckily Stucky's a little bit away from traffic, so you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have some great audio of us actually having a conversation, and so we know it's an EVP because none of us are reacting to it. Um, and you could just start hearing a, uh, just a woman just losing her mind, just screaming. Uh, wow. and it's, it's blood curdling. It's not, a, it's not a one scream. It's a, it's about, about a minute and a half of just on and off screaming going on wow. right behind us. Wow. Hmm. So, so, and, and this is something that, this is one of the bridges that's near you. You said locally. Um, it's called Stucky's bridge. It's in Mississippi. Okay. Now, some of these bridges, they got to be covered bridges too, right? That, those are always the ones oh, that absolutely. kind of freak me I out. I love because, covered bridges. Yeah, they're they're pretty, but at nighttime, they can be kind of freaky because it's sort of like a tunnel of nowhere sometimes, you know, where you're like, you go in and, you know, you don't come out the other side, you know, kind of a thing. So I have um, never had that happen. Oh, well, I've seen lots of movies where that happens. So, um, But uh, anyways, um, so, I mean, as far as covered bridges, um because I know there are some that are supposed to be purported to be pretty haunted. Um, any come to mind that you can share with us? Um, well, there's, there's sacks. Um, and then uh, one of the interesting things about covered bridges is I would say somewhere in the vicinity of 80 to 90% of them are all in New England. Um, oh. So for some reason, almost every covered bridge has one of three stories. It's either a Civil War spot where people were hung because they were either A, deserters, or B, uh, they were evil Confederates who were hanging uh, escaped slaves or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the second version of the story is there's always a witch involved. This is one of the New England favorites. So uh, you know, a local witch was caught and chased to the bridge and killed and hung or something. And then the third is your typical crybaby bridge story which is someone threw the infant off of the side of the bridge, and now if you go to the bridge, you will hear a baby crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that story in itself is so well-known that uh, I had to do, I did a whole chapter just on crybaby bridges. Really? Crybaby bridges. It is sad, isn't it? <laughs> See, your baby's crying. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty, and, and, well, they're in New England, so, I mean, did you ever investigate and go out there and do that or no? Um, I've gone to a couple of them. Uh, One thing about covered bridges is they're always, because they're so old, they're very narrow. So it makes investigating very difficult because when traffic comes, everyone has to flee to one. It's like being on a train trestle. You know, the train's coming. Everyone's running, fleeing off of the bridge and whatnot. But um, no, I can say I haven't really, I've been through some and Mm -hmm. uh, making some cheap attempts to, you know, like put an audio recorder down and, uh, work with a night vision camera and try to take photos and things, but mm-hmm. it's just almost impossible to do it safely. Wow. So you know, now it's kind of a silly question to ask you if you just talked about the bunny man and all, but I mean, is there any other really unusual 
unusual stories besides that one? You know, not that that's not unusual enough, but I mean, you know, is there any other <laughs> really weird uh, connections to bridges? You know, of the norm besides you know suicides and the, uh, uh, accidents, car accidents, and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have we have bridges that you know have uh, Sasquatch stories attached to them. We have really? uh, the Goatmen, like I mentioned in Texas. There's mm-hmm. a bridge outside Louisville that's known for. Uh, some people say it's almost like a werewolf that walks on this train trestle, and some call it a demon, and some mm-hmm. say it's more like another goat man kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah, I, there, I, there are so many weird stories about bridges, and it's it's so hard to separate what is urban legend in these things and what comes back to real historical events, and mm-hmm. that's really usually the biggest challenge with writing, you know, any of these books is because I, I don't want to just put all this information out there without verification and talking to some local investigators, you know, to corroborate the story yeah. and things like that. And mm-hmm. Separating out, you know, the, the urban legend from what really happens is so difficult. Yeah, boy, howdy. <laughs> well, did you get anybody like talk to anybody locally about the goat man? Cause that thing is really weird anyways. I mean, any, any proof to this? I mean, any, you know, any, I guess that's a weird question, but I mean, you know, is there some kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there like some kind of like visual proof, like photographs or, I mean, how, how do they even come up with the fact that it's a goat man? You know what I mean? Oh man. Well, I will say I, I one version of the goat man story is that, uh, satanic worshipers were doing their little rituals on uh, a certain bridge in Texas. Mm-hmm. And because there's two bridges in Texas, one of them basically went the route of there were satanic worshippers there, and they conjured something up so it, it appears as this half man, half goat thing at the bridge, which is uh, you know a hybrid of a person and a demon kind of thing. Uh, and then the other version of it is, and you'll be amused by this. There's a spinoff version of this, which is also about a pig man. Uh, so there's a pig man and a goat man version of this, but okay. basically you have a crazy derelict who was living under a bridge who got tired of all the kids, you know, coming and messing around his territory. So he would kill goats or pigs and uh, would take their, cut their heads off and put them on stakes around the bridge to scare people off. Okay. And then eventually, of course, you know, their one brave person was like, I'll brave the pig man or the goat man. And they went under and then they got decapitated. And their head ended up on a stake. And so now you have this combination of the victims of the pig man or goat man haunt the bridge. And, of course, then there's the pig man or goat man themselves, you know, which are somehow like uh, Jason in the Friday the 13th movies managing to live uh, pretty much forever. Lord, it's like old McDonald in a horror movie. Really, you know, you have pigs and goats <laughs> and chickens and whatever. Um, well, you know, because, you know, you got the. I mean, bridges, you know, in in lore, or, you know, they got the trolls, you know, live underneath the bridges, you know, and you can't cross unless you pay the tolls, that kind of thing, too. So I wonder if that somehow has a connection to the, you know, those kind of stories, because it kind of sounds similar in some ways uh, to that, you know what I mean? And there are actual people who say there are troll bridges. Uh, and I have to, once again, uh, give a tip of the hat to Texas. Texas has a pretty <laughs> infamous uh, troll bridge. Uh, that, that, like a troll lives under it for reals? Well, yeah. Yes, that there's a troll. That they see the troll. People have heard the troll. Uh, I actually talked to a local investigator. I want to say this was in the uh, 
Corpus Christi area, and okay. I talked to an investigator down there, and uh, he, uh, his voice was quivering telling me about it. He said it, it scared the crap out of him and his whole team. They were just kind of there taking photos and doing their thing, and then they said they heard, they, the, the ground started shaking from something really heavy, almost like an elephant walking in the area, and then they heard these terrible snorts and grunts and things, and, well, they didn't stick around. They took off. <laughs> Well, Jeez, I'd be more worried about a wild animal than a troll, but that mm. would just be me. Well, yeah, and in that area, there's a lot of wild boars, so which kind of made me think, you know, I don't think a yeah. wild boar can shake the ground like they're describing, but no. the grunts and snorts sound a lot like a wild boar. That's crazy. So, so some of these bridges, you know, we have the car accidents, so um, where people die. So. Like we always had, you, you were talking about how you know the reenactments of the scenes of like someone if they're jumping off the bridge are is, is it kind of the same thing with the with with the accidents with cars where people are actually seeing these things play over and over? On you know it's it's when you get into the realm of the residual type hauntings, uh, mm-hmm. yes, you do occasionally have those where you see you know the vehicles and everything almost just reenacting you know the act. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most famous instances of that is. The Golden Gate Bridge actually had an entire ship, the SS Tennessee, ran ashore under the Golden Gate Bridge and sunk. Um, People actually see the entire ghost ship of the Tennessee sailing under the bridge. Um, Hmm. And there's been uh, actual maritime reports that you can pull of people reporting seeing the the SS Tennessee coming alongside them. And and they they freak out because they think they're going to run into this other ship. And then it disappears. That's pretty wild. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. I think so, your next book should be Haunted Shipwrecks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I always like that, the the you know, haunted ships and stuff. I always find it pretty interesting. Haunted shipwrecks and ghost ships. That's crazy. So it seems like they see like Yeah, there you go. So you know, they actually Oh yeah, see the we have ship. a lot of haunted lighthouses and shipwrecks on the west coast here of, that are haunted. You went to one, Chuck. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, I did. So, I mean, so you're saying they actually saw the whole, like, the whole ship just going right along? Yeah, they, they say, you know, and it's one of those deals, uh, I don't know where you stand on, you know, on theory on this kind of thing, but, you know, a lot of people believe rather than there being, you know, a ghost there, you're just, it's sort of like a time slip mm-hmm. um, that you're yeah. just kind of looking through time at the actual ship in its last moments kind of a thing. Right. Um, so we either have that going on, or a really powerful ghost that can somehow make itself appear as a giant ship or something. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what other theory you could put to that, but uh, a yeah. lot of the residual type stuff, yeah, the vehicles do come into play sometimes. Interesting. So, all right. So let's. You've you've written a, a probably you got 300 bridges. So, what uh, what to you is like the creepiest? I mean of uh, pick a few of them. We talk uh, talk about a few of them, but you know, is there a, a few of them that are really just creepy or weird? Or to me, I think the creepy factor is in direct proportion to how much of the story gets verified. For me, okay. if if I hear about a great ghost story attached to a bridge, and then I start diving into the details, and you're like, oh, you know, uh, there's supposed to be three, you know ghosts of, of women who were killed on this one bridge from a serial killer. And then you start looking, you're like, well, oh, oh crap, it's, that really happened. And, you know, then as you start uh, getting more and more 
sort of facts from the uh, the investigations, and they start pairing up really well with the facts from the real case. To me, that's when I start getting more of the creeped out factor when things when reality starts matching up with with the tales. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into that subject, it's also one of the you know sort of the darker chapters in the book is there's a lot of bridges attached to serial killers and killings in general. Um, uh, I actually went to a bridge. Yeah. Uh, one of my, uh, like where they go throw their bodies or something. Well, yeah. And sometimes actually, you know, would do the horrible things like, you know, rape and kill someone or something along those lines. Um, there's a bridge I actually went to in Illinois. That's called airtight bridge that has a tragic story in 1980. A couple of hunters were heading out early in the morning to go gear hunting. And one of them was cracking a joke because this bridge sort of had a reputation for being haunted anyway. And mm-hmm. as they were passing the bridge, one of them looked down and says, uh, there's a body floating down there. And so they pull over, they go under the bridge, and there is a female body floating in the water without her head, her hands, or her feet. Oh, okay. And it took until 1992... Uh, when DNA evidence kind of came to that area of the state to mm. identify who this body was. Um, but in all those years, in between those 12 years, people were seeing the apparition of this blonde woman under this bridge. And, you know, no one can say, well, we can't, you know, go with the idea that she's blonde because you're saying a ghost has blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And in 92, when they actually figured out, you know, who this person was, well, she matched up with the ghost. Um, and she's still seen there to this day. And what, what was that called again? Was that the, did you say airtight bridge? Airtight bridge in Illinois. Uh-huh. And they actually refer to it as the torso murder, um, which at the time was not a unique thing. Cleveland has an actual serial killer that's referred to as the torso killer. And so some investigators tried to pair them up. Maybe this killer had buzzed over to Illinois and, you know, did someone there and threw them in the local the local river there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were never, at, you know, able to attach that particular killing to the others. Um, hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's a really bizarre story and, uh, and tragic and true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any others that come to mind besides that one that really kind of hit There's home a with lot, you? Like all of these that involve the serial killers to me, they, it adds that extra scary because I mean, you could yeah, pull these newspaper articles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you could pull these newspaper articles of, of the real crime and the details. It's also one of the, the more touchy, you know, sort of areas because, uh, like, for instance, there was one, I want to say it's in Illinois, too, and it was a serial killer who was targeting children oh. and killed five or six, and two of them were actually found dead next to this one particular bridge that's haunted. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of story, I mean, it is in the book, but of course I'm leaving the names anonymous, things like that, because these family members are still in this small town in Illinois, you know, alive and had lost their children, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you have to walk that fine line between wanting to report a real haunted bridge and having respect for the living, too. Right, exactly. So, and you said, and we've talked about you have investigated some of the bridges and stuff. Um 
you know, like as far as your experiences are, I mean, what have you, I mean, really come across that really just kind of blew your mind while you were doing that, you know, uh, investigating, you know, something that really stood out for you? I would say, once again, I mean, for some reason, uh, most investigations, bridges, hotels, anywhere, most of the evidence that ever gets caught is usually audio stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, it's so hard to have a camera in the right place at the right time yep. to catch that apparition as it appears for five seconds or, you know, or yeah. to get that, you know, that, that visual evidence stuff. So a lot of mm-hmm. it is really compelling audio. I will say this, uh, some of the best true ghost lights, not dust orbs and things of that nature, actual glowing balls of light that we can see moving and floating through the air and things like that seem to circulate around uh, bridges, which I think is an environmental factor. The fact the water's there, uh, some people think it's because of the metal bridges that, you know, and it's that static electricity kind of thing mm-hmm. that it's happening. But if you see these things in person, you know that it's not because it's, it is, a, you know, a free-floating ball of light moving around of its own volition. And I really like when we run into those because when we get good video, I think we've actually got a good video um, that was captured at a grave uh, cemetery versus a bridge. Mm-hmm. But when you can actually see that they're not going through objects, they're going around them, but they're, it's exhibiting some sort of intelligence, like, oh, look, there's a thing. I'll go around it. I'll, I'll turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, though, that's as visually compelling to me as a lot of the EVPs, like the screams and the moans and the cries. And right things like that. So usually that kind of evidence to be is, is the most compelling and, and usually the most common that you're going to get out there. Mm-hmm. So did you, have you ever been out to the, I don't know, I can't remember the exact name of the bridge. Is the silver bridge or it's the one where uh, Mothman has been sighted um, where the bridge collapsed. They say, according to uh, legend, because of Mothman, you know, he's trying to warn. They were war- he's trying to warn the people that the bridge was going to collapse, and then went ahead and collapsed. Were you ever out in that area? Um, I, I've actually, yeah, I've been to Point Pleasant once. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, involved with this uh, bridge book. It was yes. just a trip because the Mothman story. Believe it or not, you're asking like some of the things that intrigued me when I was young. Mm-hmm. I had this uh, little collection of paranormal stories that was in a book. And I've never been able to find the book since because it was when I was really young and I don't remember the title. But okay. the two main stories in it was about a Sasquatch-like creature named Momo the Missouri Monster in okay. Missouri and Mothman. Um, so I, I've read John Keel's book, Mothman Prophecies. I've been to the new bridge that's in Point Pleasant. Right. And, uh, and I contemplated at one point actually writing a book about the Mothman, but I think it's pretty exhausted at this point. Yeah, I think there's been quite a lot of books written about them. But yeah, I do remember they did build a new bridge, and the old one is, and it's it's away from the, I believe it's away from the the older bridge too, right? I mean, it's in a different or near the section of where it is, but uh, the old one they they didn't try to rebuild it; they just made a whole brand new one. So, um, yeah, that's so I, I want to say it's, a, it's like seventy feet apart or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what really intrigues you in the field of the paranormal? Just not just bridges in general, but I mean, what really intrigues you being in this field? To me, it's the mixture of, uh, the unexplained and history. Okay. Um, one of the, the coolest things to me about ghost stories is they're always so wrapped up with real history. 
Um, so when you go to a place like the Lizzie Borden house, um, we can talk about the ghosts and the stories and the experiences and everything that everyone has there. But we also get this wonderful Victorian home that had this crime, you know, back in the day that just shocked the world mm-hmm. and had everyone enthralled, you know. Right. And it's so many of those stories, you know, where we do get these great ghost stories, but we also get this awesome history. Um, yeah. And it, I, to me, it's that. It's that combination of exploring the unknown and, you know, what what's happening. And, you know, if I believe in an afterlife. I don't, I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, ghost stories and things are a way for me to sort of have an afterlife without having to be affiliated with a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So a combination of that love of the unknown and that sort of comfort that comes with, oh, I just saw a ghost. There's something, you know, that beats oblivion. That's right. Not uh, just going to be taking a dirt nap. <laughs> absolutely. And and then, you know, tossing in this healthy dose of history and everything that comes with that, that's the draw for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's, you can't, I don't think you can have paranormal research without history without understanding and and studying the history of places and so for me i used to always think oh my gosh i'm not really a big history buff um and yet when i started investigating the paranormal i mean those are the stories i want to hear i want it connects people to history in a way that other things don't i think that's true Uh, yeah and i and I, i think you're right you have to you have to have a love of both Otherwise, yep. you're just a thrill seeker. And yep. I don't have a personally anything wrong with a person that's just like, no, I want to go to spooky places and stay there. That's cool. Fine. Um, but don't call yourself an investigator. Don't be. Don't expect to be taken seriously. Um, just, you know, be a thrill seeker. Go have your fun. Yeah. You know, but, but don't be one of these people, you know, that's calling themselves an investigator. But, you know, that's drinking beer out, hanging out in the cemetery and being disruptive and basically giving all of us a bad name. Right. Call yourself a ghost hunter. See, that's what I've always thought was the difference between ghost hunters and paranormal investigators myself. So I wanted to switch gear really quickly because you mentioned that you have a civil war book coming up. And um, of course, everybody knows the big civil war place that's haunted, which is Gettysburg. But what are some other places that you've come across in, in your haunted civil war book? Well, that's that's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> one of the weird things about the Civil War is I think you're going to be hard pressed to find anything from one of the biggest battles like Gettysburg or Antietam or Manassas or any of them, all the way down to the smallest skirmish in Arkansas, is going to have a ghost story attached to it. Um, the Civil War just had so much emotion and despair, and death, and killing, and ugliness yeah. about it, that it's just, it's it's stained the whole, you know, every part of the country where it was happening. It's stained. Yes. And it's amazing how many times I've ran into, you know, oh, this house is haunted because it's an antebellum home that was used for two days by, you know, General Grant as he was on his way to Shiloh. And then as you go check this house out, oh, but this local skirmish, you know, known as the the Battle of Pittsburgh Falls or something happened there, too, where eight people died, and one guy's buried out back, and he's still here. Um, it's it's amazing, really. Everything from the smallest, smallest skirmish to your Antietam's and Gettysburg, 
all have their stories and they're all compelling. Right. What do you think it is about the Civil War? Uh, I just, I mean, I know people are into, you know, there you have World War II buffs and World War One buffs, but I, I feel like you hear so many more, um, and maybe it's just because it was fought on American soil, but you have so many people who are still so fascinated with this war that was, you know, fought in the 1860s, so it's it's been a few years. What do you think it is about it that, that draws people to it? Well, I think because so much of it is still around us. I mean, these are the places that we, you know, if you live in any of the states, especially where, uh, you know, where, where it occurred, you're just still surrounded by it. You pass parks that are memorials, statues, battlefields, all these things. And even if you don't, uh, because we do still sort of have racial tensions in the country that yeah. sort of still, you know, go back to that time, uh, we still have... You know, things, you know, just what was the last year that we had all the debates about the rebel flag and coming yeah. down, from, you know, from state. You know, we're still sort of inundated with a lot of things that are still sort of related to the Civil War. Um, and then, yeah, what you just said, it, it happened on American soil. It was a huge amount of loss of life. And it was, you know, countrymen versus countrymen. And uh, it's, it's left its mark. Well, and it's left widely divergent viewpoints, too. I mean, I know in many areas of the South, it's still referred to as the either the recent unpleasantness or the war of northern aggression. So I guess it depends on where you are as, as to how it's viewed, which I think is really fascinating as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too politically correct on that stuff. I think that, you know, all this... Uh you know, sugarcoating of ugly things that happened in the Civil War just needs to go away at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all know why the Civil War really happened, and yeah. it's time just, you know, to take a cue from Germany and sort of how they owned, you know, the horrible atrocities they did in World War II, just mm -hmm. accepted them and, you know, and moved on. And I, I, I kind of wish we had just kind of done the same thing from the get-go, you know? Well, and I, I think if we're still not doing it, that probably... It'll take another couple of centuries before that happens. And that's terrible. Yeah, it is. It is. I've, you know, I have never been to um, any of the Civil War sites because I live in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And just it's a place that I'd love to go and love to visit and, and, and get a sense of the history. But do you think, because the most common place that you hear about is Gettysburg, of course, is that really the, the most haunted hotspot for the Civil War? Or is there some other place that might be even more well-known or active that I'm just missing? Well, I, Gettysburg has probably more ghost stories attached to it than any other battlefield. I don't yes. think that it's any more haunted. Um, if you actually, you can Google top 10 uh, battles of the Civil War, all 10 of those, everyone from Chancellorsville, Manassas, and Tietum, all of them, they all are have their fair share of ghosts and ghost stories. Gettysburg was just so particularly preserved. Um, the entire area surrounding it, uh, the fact that when Lincoln uh, did his Gettysburg Address there and then they made the first National Cemetery and everything, so much of that area has been so well-preserved, it just has more ghost stories. 
Um, yeah, but, makes sense. You know, when you, yeah, when you say, you know, there's like eight haunted hotels that's just all right around the battlefield. Uh, but you can go to a place like, say, Shiloh, mm-hmm. and Shiloh will have, you know, it's got the hornet's nest that's famously haunted. You've got the uh, cherry blossoms, the apple orchard uh, kind of thing going on. You've got probably five or six really good hot spots within the battlefield of Shiloh. And you could pretty much say it's about the same for Gettysburg. But with Gettysburg, you also get the National Cemetery. You've got uh, the Jenny Wade House. You've got you probably got nine or ten hotels, you know, that were historic homes that were right next to the battlefield that are still well-preserved there. So they just have, I think they have more stories, but not necessarily, you know, more ghosts or more hauntings. Makes sense. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we often forget to do is differentiate the stories versus the actual ghosts and haunting. So it's a good distinction to make. <laughs> so Rich, we've come to the part of our show that we like to call shameless self-promotion corner. Please tell people where they can um, find your books, where they can find you, you know, social media stuff, anything, anything you want to promote. We're good. We're easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can visit the website, uh, www.paranormalincorporatedallspelledout.com and pretty much all the books are carried by most booksellers so you can find them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble um, things like that so pretty much those two you, you can nail me down pretty quick alright very good and the book that just came out is called um, uh, you're going to have to remind me I'm sorry Haunted Bridges mm-hmm. Haunted Bridges Haunted Bridges. Oh, well, I guess you didn't have to remind me. (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining us uh, from the Lizzie Board. Yeah. I hope that you have a fun and exciting evening there. And try to be nice to the poor drunk Japanese guy. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) I'll do my best. Thanks, y'all, for having me on. Uh Good night. Thanks. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I do believe that's the first person we've ever talked to who was at the Lizzie Borden house. And for that weird, or that reason, I want to see the show, man. I, I kind of want to see that show, too. I wonder if you can I find do. it anywhere. Bootleg copies of it. That I'm going to have to send a message and go, dude, where can we find that? Because I really got to yeah. see that. <laughs> Super duper entertaining. That's hilarious. All right. So, Cheryl, do we go to break now? I still, I'm, yes. I have to apologize to our audience. I'm still just terrible at, at the timing of all of the new stuff we're doing on the show. So, I send Cheryl dozens of messages throughout the show. Do we do this now? <laughs> We do. We go to break right now. All right. right, So we're going to go to break. When we come back, um, we're going to have a correspondence report from Winter Bale Fire. And then she's going to join us also for the lightning round, as is, uh, you know, my hubby, Techie McScience Geek. So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. Lots more to come. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Winter Bale Fire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well... (laughs) Not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? 
Yep, that's it. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to getspooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to getspooked.net slash YouTube. A global secret society what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as a conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology, dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books, written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research education and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You are listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on Mix LR. And now it's time for our wonderful correspondence segment with Miss Winter Balefire. This one is the unusual story of Christopher Case, who died after he thought a witch had put a curse on him. Well, this ought to be really interesting. Cheryl, can you cue up that segment, please? We are ready to go. Yeah, let's roll it. Hello. This is Winter Balefire, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark correspondent, and I'm here live in Los Angeles, California. During my recent research for my article on curses and hexes, I came across a story that happened over 25 years ago, but is still talked about due to its bizarre and mysterious nature. This is a true story involving a man by the name of Christopher Case. Case was 35 years old, lived in Seattle, and worked as a music producer. In the spring of 1991, Christopher made a trip to San Francisco for a meeting. He was introduced to a woman who had access to ancient Egyptian music that he was interested in producing. This woman also claimed to be a witch. 
During their meeting, it became obvious that this woman had a romantic interest in Christopher. Unfortunately, he didn't feel the same, and the self-proclaimed witch became very angry. Upon returning home, Christopher began making bizarre phone calls to a friend of his who lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He told his friend that this witch had put a curse on him. He said they, meaning the woman and whoever she had summoned, were attacking him at night and he was waking up with cuts to his fingers. His friends were growing concerned. He was acting strangely, wouldn't leave his apartment, and was missing work. This was a man who was all about clean living. He didn't drink, smoke, or take part in any type of drug abuse. Christopher left a message with his friend, letting her know that he was going to be staying in a hotel because he was so afraid. When she called him at the hotel, he told her that the previous night at home had been particularly rough. Christopher had been doing some research and said he found a woman on the West Coast that could help remove the curse. He said, you know I could die from this. When his friend suggested he seek medical attention, he declined due to fear of no one believing him and having his mental state questioned. Christopher then informed his friend he was going home that night. Though he was terrified, he said, they're not going to beat me. Unfortunately, that was the last time they actually spoke. After not hearing from Christopher, his friend called the police department near his home in King County to check on him. The first time police arrived, the door to Christopher's home was locked. Christopher left one final message on his friend's voicemail, telling her they were coming for him, and he wasn't looking forward to that night. Police returned the next day on April 18th to find the door unlocked. When they entered the home, they found Christopher dead, sitting upright in his empty bathtub, fully clothed. It was reported he had a terrified look in his eyes. Police also discovered about 10 burnt-down candles, crucifixes, books on preventing curses, and salt poured all around the baseboards and in a design, though not specified what kind of design, on the front porch. There was no sign of forced entry or foul play. When the autopsy report came back, his death was determined to be from heart failure. This healthy, 35-year-old man's heart just stopped. No one knows what terrifying things occurred in the last moments of Christopher's life, why he was in his tub, and what he saw that made his final facial expression that of sheer terror. Some feel he was so convinced of this curse, he scared himself to death. We know that strange and bizarre things occur daily in this world. So, do we think the curse was real, or was Christopher the victim of a psychotic break? Let me know your thoughts. This is Winter Balefire for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Well, we oh, are back. back. Hey, we're back. We're back. It scared me. She like the finger came like bam. Yeah. So thank Man. you for yes. Bonnet segment, and now as a special treat, winter is actually here live and in person. Uh, yep. Hey, winter. Uh, hey, winter. Hello. Hi. Yeah, d- didn't you say you were going to sing for us? Is that what you said? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I tried twice, techie. folks. Yes, yeah, so and we also have a uh, techie McScience geek, my husband Jim here, who is Yay. not to sing to us for us, even though he is busting to. I can just see I the know, look. He on wants to. Face. He wants to sing. <laughs> uh, well, Cheryl has the spray can in her house. So. Oh, yes. 
All yes. right, are you guys ready to play the lightning round? Um, uh, ready yeah. as I'll ever be with this darn thing, All yes. All right, so Winter, I won't go to you first on the first question. How's that? Just so you can get the hang of it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, Come so on. here we go. Right. So right. the telegraph notes that the Catholic Church is experiencing a major, major shortage of exorcists. According to the Church, this is most likely due to a rise in occult and superstitious practices. So here's what I want to know. Who or what would you like to exercise, and how would you go about doing it? And we'll start with Chuck. Oh, my God, that's a tough question. You say who or what I want to exercise. In other words, there's not enough to exercise. So um, I want to perform an exorcism on. Hmm, my ex-wife. All right. And how would you go about performing that exorcism? Um, with a lot of water, a lot, a lot of, you know, holy water and, uh, crosses and, um, and some restraints. Well, the cops know where they're coming if that happens. <laughs> uh, so Jim, I would like to pull the evil demon of money out of Wells Fargo bank. Oh, and how would you go about doing that? <clears throat> Probably the same way they stole it from the rest of us. Okay. Cheryl. So I had a political answer, but I think I'm going to just bypass that and avoid any controversy. I'm going to go ahead and go with Chad, my husband. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Now, why? What why? What kind of oh, well, What why? demon are you going to exercise out of him, it's, Cheryl? It's, I'm going to put it nicely. And I'm going to say that, that the gas fairy has possessed my husband and it, he needs to be exercised immediately. And how are you going to go about doing that? <laughs> You know, I hadn't actually given that part of it a lot of thought. Well, I don't know. I saw that big can you got over there. Sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. All know. right, Winter, are you ready to answer? Sure. And it's really bizarre because my next correspondent piece was actually about an exorcism. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, but. Um, Hmm. You know, I think Cheryl and I had the same thought about the political <laughs> thing, but yeah. I'm going to, you know, be um, be nice about it. And I'm probably going to give kind of a similar answer and probably say my husband. <laughs> and and, 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 what, um, that is, and I need to probably exercise the video game demon out of him. Oh, yes. Taken over oh. and, you know, two in the morning, he's still up, so... <laughs> And um, I'll just have to hide the PlayStation. That would be the easiest way to do it, right? There you go. You don't even need the yeah. Catholic Church for that, which is good because yeah. I hear there's a shortage. All right. So according to ScienceAlert.com, Russian police arrested an activist robot. That's right, an activist robot. The device, known as Promobot, was apparently at a rally supporting parliamentary candidate Valery Kalachev. The cops tried to handcuff the robot, which didn't resist arrest. If you had a super cool robot, what would you send it out to do for you, Cheryl? For me? What would I have it do for me? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's super cool. I'd probably just go mess with people with it. Like I'd sneak <laughs> up on them and scare them like around a corner or something. Just because I like cool. to scare people. That's kind of mean. Actually, wow. I mean... You kind of mean. That's okay. Winter, what would you do with a super cool robot? Hmm. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I'd probably try to get multiple robots and have them go around and help collect all the string animals and bring them to rescue. Oh. 
that's a nice answer. Can which I is change why my answer? <laughs> no, that's, that's why we're going to Jim now. I would send it to kill John Connor. <laughs> oh, my God, he pulled the Terminator card, didn't he? Oh, he did, Chuck. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of look at it like RoboCop. I'd, I'd want to, I'd want to teach it how to, you know, protect people. So that way, you know, since you know, all these police getting shot and stuff like that, I think it'd be good to get out there and send him out there so that uh, our police don't have to get hurt and he can go ahead and take care of biz. Ruby. Okay. Well, here's mm-hmm. uh, I am apparently on a robot pick tonight because according to Unexplained Mysteries, Turkish engineers have built a super cool real life shape shape-shifting robot <gasps> like a transformer oh. wow. known as Antimon it's a vehicle that transforms into a standing humanoid robot so what now that real life transformers are clearly becoming a thing what kind do you want like what would you have transform into something else and what would you call it we'll start with Jim I would like Donald Trump's hairpiece to transform into a gerbil what would you call it? Spot. Spot. All right. Uh, Chuck. Um, so you're saying that I could like have this thing transform into anything, like a cool, something like transform into like, something else. Like a, That's like, right. Oh, like like a, I could have it transform into a really cool ninja robot. Yeah, but what would you have transform into a cool ninja robot? Oh, I see. Oh, I oh I I'd take my own car, my own 2013 Chevy Cruze, and have it change into a ninja robot. What would you call it? Uh, Nin Cruz. Nin Cruz. All right. Nin-cruise. Well, mm-hmm. there you go, Cheryl. I'm going to take my stove and I'm, and it's going to transform into a chef. <laughs> nice. And, and oh, nice. What are you going to call it? And it's going to be the Chefinator 3000. Did, was that Chad's answer? Because he <laughs> All right, I stole Chad's answer. <laughs> no cheat, man. Winter, what kind of transformer are you going to make? Huh. Um, I think I would probably um, go the simple route and have my car probably transform into like my own personal flying aircraft robot. And nice. What I would call it, I have no idea. But the only thing that's popping into my head is Ariel, which is a mermaid. But hey, whatever. It's <laughs> you know maybe it could also transform into a boat. That's true. Nice. I mean, you know, this is pure fantasy here. We can transform anything into anything, right? That is true. Maybe I would turn my house into a spaceship. Oh. All right. You ready for the next one, guys? Sure. That's sure. cleaning spaceship, yes. The Huffington Post reported that a woman was walking down the street in Philadelphia on Labor Day, and a large catfish fell from the sky and hit her in the face. Now, I've always had the secret fear of blue toilet water from the airplane when they flush in the airplane, randomly falling from the sky and hitting me. So what is your worst nightmare of something to fall from the sky that might land on you, Chuck? Oh, my God, a meteorite. Meteorite? Yeah, big old hot chunk of rock. Just That's it. You'd be dead right away. Yeah, I know, but still, just the thought of it coming at me and I just freeze and that's it. If you didn't see it coming, it'd be all right, right? Yeah, if I didn't see it, yeah. Cheryl. Well, along the lines of the question, I'm going to have to say Sharknado. <laughs> I told you Sharknado was real. Sharknado totes. Yeah. Winter. Hello. Um, honestly, you know, it's, it's um, pretty basic, but um, birds, especially crows. Oh. If, yeah. I mean, I just, I have such a connection to them and 
just to see one not healthy freaks me out. But if one was actually to fall dead from the sky, it would probably terrify me. Okay, Jim. Well, I was going to answer Sharknado, but... Well, I should have gone to you go first. and oh, come up with a different <clears throat> one. So I think I would have to go with... Uh, uh, Leftovers or used souvenirs from the Mile High Club. Oh, oh God. Ew. Oh, that's kind of like the blue toilet water flush, kinda. right? Yeah. At least stickier. All right. Oh. <laughs> okay. Next one. According to the Huffington Post, a Florida woman paid fifty thousand dollars to punch us punch Farmer Bro Martin Shkreli in the face. So this is the dude that was widely heralded as a douche after he raised the price of a drug from thirteen fifty to seven. $13.50 to $750 overnight. Shkreli actually auctioned off the opportunity to slap or punch him to raise funds for the family of a colleague who died suddenly over the weekend. So that was kind of a nice thing to do. Oh. But if you could punch anyone in the face, who could it be and how much would you be willing to fork over for the privilege? Jim. Mm. No, I'd end up going to jail. <laughs> so nobody... Uh, maybe Diane Feinstein, just to see if I could, like, slap the stupid out of her. And how much would that cost us? How much would that run us? Oh, that'd be what several thousand What would you pay? Dollars. Several thousand dollars. All right, Chuck? I don't Who know. Who do you want to punch and what I, would you pay? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd, like, to, I'd like to punch a lot of the, the drug, the pharmaceutical people. No, no one in particular, just all of them, just because of the way they hike up everything for... You know, people like us that have to have certain medications and stuff like that. And I, yeah. you know, that, that I'd probably do that. And I would pay whatever to do that. You would pay anything. Anything. Who, who would you pay to punch in the face? <laughs> I, I probably would have had an answer, you know, just randomly. But now that someone's asking me, you know, you see <laughs> random people on the news and you're like, oh, I'd like to punch that guy. And then now you're asking me and I have no idea. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't, I don't think I, I would. I'm, I'm not a very violent person. All right, no. fair enough. I'm sure Cheryl has no such qualms. Who would you punch in the face, Cheryl? Well, I was going to say I'm not a violent person, but in the spirit of the lightning round, I will give you an answer. But unlike Jim, I will, I will be politically correct and not actually name names, but it is a political figure who, yeah, I, I would pay a, a pretty candidate? penny, a candidate currently, that I would pay, pay a pretty penny to hit in the face, maybe like 10K. Ooh. Whoa, Cheryl. <laughs> okay. I'm so full of rage. Final, no, here's our final question, guys. <laughs> this week, an internet troll is in the news for convincing people to take a drill to their new iPhone 7s to install a headphone jack. Have you seen all the stories about this? No, no I have not. So the new iPhone 7s, they, they have Bluetooth right. headphones, so there's mm -hmm. no headphone jack in them. So somebody posted a video saying, well, it's really easy to hack and make a jack so you can post your old headphone, put, and you just drill it. And so people have been doing this, a lot of them, and they've been destroying their brand new iPhones. Oh, my God. Oh, you're kidding that me. That sucks. I know. So here's what I want to know. Have you ever seen something on the internet that you believed and then later found out it wasn't true and you were embarrassed? And what was it if, if you did, Chuck? I, I can't think of anything I've ever seen where I went, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I found, no, I, I, I don't have anything on that one. I really don't. No. Cheryl? Well, it's not the internet, but it's the TV. Does that count? Yeah, sure. Blair Witch. Blair Witch, you Blair believed Witch. it. I, I oh, saw yeah. a one-hour special on sci-fi channel and this was before you know the movie came out it was 
obviously done as a marketing tool, but it was like a documentary. It was aired as a documentary, and I didn't see any, like, hey, this is, you know, fake, fictional, blah, blah, blah. I must have missed mm-hmm. that part of the show. But they aired it like it was a real documentary, and I totally believed it. I thought so it was real. So it was real. like that Orson Welles' War of the World thing where everybody thought that we were in being I would have fallen paper. for it, obviously. Yeah? yeah. All right. Was there anything that you've seen and later realized it wasn't true? Yeah, honestly, I had the same answer. I remember yeah. that Blair that Witch thing, and I remember thinking that it was real and mm-hmm. and hyping it up as, as, you know, oh, this is the scariest real documentary that you'll ever see. And, and then later, you know, you find out that it's a movie, and <laughs> you're kind of, kind of disappointed. Yeah. I was I was so upset because I was talking to people at work. Oh my god, you got to check out this real case. Blah. blah. Oh my god. <laughs> so <laughs> so like, I know. No, you, All right. John does that. And you're like, oh yes. Nope. Yeah, Jim. Have you ever been suckered? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was called compassionate or compassionate conservatism. <laughs> Compa- <laughs> <laughs> well, there's my. Oh, on that note. And guys, that is how we play the lightning round. Jim and Winter, thank you for doing the lightning round yeah, with us. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I did think of something though. I thought of that. Remember that thing they had on whatever channel it was about mermaids? Yes. Remember? And oh, like yes. also real, yes. like with like sort of like Discovery Channel style and everything. Yep. And I'm A thinking lot of what people thought that was real. Yeah, you're like, I'm thinking, yeah. really? They really found something? Like some like some linked connection. Did you guys see uh. the show? I think it might have been on sci fi also where they they made it like the documentary style it involved aliens coming and, abdu- and and abducting these people that were in their house. And it was like a battle between the, you know, the, the people in the house and the aliens. Did you guys see that one, too? No. Yes. Uh-uh. Yes. You, did you uh. winter? Yes, I did. Yeah, that one. That one kind of got me, too. <laughs> it's and like I say, it's kind of Orson Welles did it years ago yeah. with the raid mm-hmm. world back in the 30s. I think it was I everybody panicking on that one. The whole fucking country almost yep yeah I know. well we're all a bunch of suckers what can you say <laughs> true <laughs> all right so cheryl what do we have coming up on the big show next week the big shoe oh next the first, week the first of our october um next week we have sylvia schultz she is a uh second guest she's been here once before so she's uh coming back again second time and she, the new book she's going to be talking about is 44 years in darkness and the book focuses on an abandoned asylum where a woman's spirit still roams October 6th yeah and then October 13th we will be talking to Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin authors of Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers a new book out of course Stanton Friedman uh, the uh, I guess you would call him the original um, investigator what's it what is it called non non military non government investigator of Roswell Roswell yeah Um, and then on October 20th Friedman is the reason Roswell is Roswell Roswell. I mean is yeah. Also, he was our first ever podcast guest. So he was. But yeah. And uh, anyway, October twentieth, Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us. And then rounding out October on October twenty seventh, we'll be talking with Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman from Paranormal Lockdown, amongst other shows. And that show airs on Destination America. So we've got a big October coming up. You live listeners should come back. Summer's over. You don't need to be outside in the evenings anymore. Come on back. <laughs> I mean, you know, we love you when you listen on podcasts too, but just a suggestion. Yeah, yeah. listen to us that's live. Oh, 
want to miss plus correspondent reports from people and lightning rounds and news and metaphysics and you know all sorts of great stuff so so uh, we have a good month coming up and also i did notice that there is a new magazine out before october huh yeah there is it's our september issue and you can go to paranormalunderground.net and check it out or you can get a print on demand copy on magcloud.com uh, this issue is chock full of good stuff. We talked to a ghost hunting group in Sweden. Ooh. Which I love, yeah, I love uh, getting out of the U.S. And, and talking to some other people sometimes from different countries because it's very interesting to get their perspective as well as our friends here in the U.S. And then we have a story on five freaky urban legends from around the world. Oh, I love urban legends. We have just, of course, have to promote yeah, uh, Winter's uh, article. Winter Balefire wrote, writes for us every month in the Magic and Lore column. And this month, she wrote about centering, shielding, and grounding, which I think everybody should really check into and get to know how to do that because it can help you on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yep, check, absolutely. Check that out. We've got all sorts of other good stuff. We have Karen's dream interpretation columns. Uh, we have... Uh, Willie yeah, Wood. I actually wrote mm-hmm. both columns about dreams. You, this you time. wrote two columns this time: how dream interpretation can help you heal, and then you did a step-by-step dream interpretation of one of your own dreams, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, our readers so can see how messed up I am. Yeah, yeah, but then our readers can try and interpret their own dreams using the steps that you gave them, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, we have Willie Windwalker Gibson, who is a shaman. He writes his monthly column, and this time. He wrote about The Haunted Bed, which is interesting. Cool. I mean, there's so much more. I can't even go into all of it. But we've got UFOs. We've got haunted sites. We've got, you know, urban legends. We talk to the people in the field. Uh, we have a special report on teleportation. You name it, we probably got it in here. So check us out. Let us know. Give us your feedback. We love hearing from you. You can also email me or anyone um, in, that has to do with the magazine. You can email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Are we doing like a... At distributing anything that comes in. She sends it on to us if you email us. So send me your dreams. We need dreams for interpretation. So, you know, all of that good stuff. Editor at paranormalunderground.net. All right. So, um, everybody, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks to our guest, Rich Newman. Thanks to Winter for joining us for the lightning round and for the correspondent report. And thanks to Jim. And, of course, to Cheryl and Chucky G and Chad for Cheryl's answer. Yeah. (laughs) We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. Have a good week, everyone. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right. It could just be something paranormal.